Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all and to be with you. As many of you know, uh, I've been out of town for a couple weeks. My wife and I had the opportunity to go do some traveling in Southeast Asia with both of my siblings and their spouses. And someday I'll show you the thousands of pictures we took. But it was uh, an awesome trip. But I got to admit, I'm still recovering a little bit from jet lag. So typically when I'm up here, what I do is I watch people out in the congregation nod off once in a while. Well, today I might be nodding off a little bit. So just come up and you know kick me or give me a little shove if I start to nod off. Um, but I am so excited to start this new series with you today. And in your bulletin, hopefully you have an insert. And in that insert, you can take some notes, you can fill in some blanks to help you remember what we cover this morning. And, you know, just to remind you of that very important Bible verse, which says, those who take notes at church will be first in the kingdom of heaven. It's a, a very obscure Bible verse, but a very important one. And, you know, you could have that going for you today. So. But yeah, so we're kicking off this new series that we're calling The Games People Play. And the idea for the series comes from the many conversations I've had with people over the years who, you know, when I ask, what do you like to do in your free time? Or what do you do for fun? Or what does your family like to do together? It seems like almost always people say, we love to play games. And it's a variety of games. It can be good old-fashioned board games. It can be card games. You know, these days, a lot of kids like to play video games. There's even games on television regularly. And so I think a lot of us love to play games together. Now, there's also another way to think about uh, this phrase. And it's, you know, sometimes we tell our kids or maybe we tell our friends, stop playing games with me, right? When they're trying to be manipulative or they're, they're trying to get a little too cute, we can sometimes tell people, you need to stop playing games. And even us adults, from time to time, we need to be called out. We need to reevaluate our behavior. And maybe we need to be reminded to stop playing games with some aspect of our life. And so in this series, what I want to do is to just look at three very common, very popular board games and see what lessons we can learn from these games and how we also see many of these themes show up throughout of Scripture. Now, as I was thinking about our family and how we like to play games together, I was reflecting how the games we play with our kids have changed quite a bit over time. You know, I remember back in the day when they were very young where we wore out our game Candyland. You remember that game? Like we played it so often that it started to fall apart. But today we're not really playing Candyland as much as we play a lot of card games and we play some strategy games and we play chess and we also, uh, we love to play Monopoly together. But have you seen the new edition of Monopoly? You don't even get money anymore. You have credit cards. And the property, they're not, I think it was like Park Place or Boardwalk was like $500 back in the day. Today, it's like $1.5 million, which kind of makes me wonder what we're teaching our kids. Well, today, I want to start out with my all-time favorite board game, which is Scrabble. Now, Scrabble is a game that my wife Lexi and I used to play all the time when we started dating and in our first years of marriage. And in fact, the game Scrabble really highlighted for me the difference between my family and her family. Because you see, I come from one of the most competitive families ever. Like my mom 
loves to win. And not only that, she likes to taunt everyone who loses. And so even as a young kid, like we were in it to win it every time. We wanted to win at every cost. And and inside the box, we would take out the rules and we would highlight things and we would make sure that we were playing every game exactly the way it was supposed to be played. Well, I remember the first time that I went out to my, my wife's family's cabin. And so we were spending time with the future in-laws, and my mother-in-law said, hey, let's play Scrabble. And I'm like, all right, I'm all in. I'm going to show them how good I am. And we sat down at the table, and we started to play the game. And when it was my turn, my mother-in-law grabbed my letters. And I'm like, what is going on here? And she's like, hey, let me help you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then a little bit later, she took out the, the Scrabble dictionary to help her think of words. And I'm like, that is not in the rules at all. You're breaking every rule. And like, in the end, it, it was just supposed to be a tie. And like, how do you know who wins then? And who do you know who to make fun of, you know? What I learned that day is that my wife's family is a lot nicer than my family. Now, for those of you who might not be up on your board games as much, just a brief explanation. Scrabble is basically a, a crossword puzzle type of game. Basically a big, giant crossword puzzle. Each player gets seven different letters. I think most of you got one letter on your way in. You can take that home, stack the deck if you want, but use it as a reminder of what we talk about today. But what you do is you take your seven letters and you build on other words on the board to try to get the most points. And by the end of the game, when all the letters are used up, you want to have more points than anyone else. And there's different bonus squares on the board where you can get double value for letters or double the word score, or triple the word score. But in the end, after you play on all these words, the board is filled with all sorts of different words and it never looks the same. Now, when you play Scrabble, I think you learn some pretty important lessons. And these are lessons that are good for our everyday life, and they're also good for our spiritual life. And so I want to highlight three of them quickly, and then I want to dig into some scripture with you and see how Paul in the book of Romans really explains these themes in a deep and spiritual way for each one of us. So I think the first and most important lesson that we learn from a game like Scrabble is the importance of community. You can't play this game by yourself. In fact, you rely on others when you play this game. You have to play upon the words that they've played. To get your points, you have to use what other people have already done and build upon that. One of my all-time favorite card games is a game called Euchre. Maybe some of you have played Euchre before. But in Euchre, you have a partner across the table from you. And if you have an especially good hand of cards, what you can say is, I'm going to go it alone. Which means your partner puts their cards down and you get to go by yourself. And if you accomplish what you are supposed to do, you get extra points for doing it by yourself. But that's not at all like Scrabble. Scrabble depends on others. It's about community. And when you think about the Bible, when you think about what Jesus teaches us, it's all about community, that we need each other, that we are created for relationship. 
Now, a second lesson that I think we can learn from Scrabble is the importance of being connected. Right? You can't play your words on the Scrabble board wherever you want. No, they always have to be connected to what other people have played. Sometimes you might just put an S on the end of their word, but whatever it is, it always has to be connected to what's already on the board. You have to be connected in order to get the points. And again, this is a relational concept. In our life, we need to be connected to others. And as we heard in our gospel lesson from John chapter 15, we need to remain connected to Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the vine. We are the branches. We can't do anything apart from him. A third theme I think we can learn from Scrabble is the importance of planning ahead. You always need to be thinking ahead. You've got these seven letters, but you need to be looking at the board. Where am I going to play next? How am I going to get the most points? How am I going to set others up for what they're going to do? And again, this is an important lesson for our daily life and also for our spiritual life. We need to be thinking a few moves down the line. How do these decisions that I make today impact my future? How does living for Christ today set me up for my eternity? How does how I interact with others impact their eternity? Am I taking every opportunity that I have to share the love of Christ with others who need to experience it? Well, what I want to do now is I want to dig deep into one passage of Scripture that comes from the New Testament. It's the book of Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, I think we're going to see these three themes represented. We're going to see Paul dig into each one of these things. And he's going to show us how important it is for us as we seek to live out our faith. Romans chapter 12, sometimes I like to call it the Scrabble passage. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up to Romans chapter 12. Get your Bible app open on your phone or your tablet, however you like to engage with Scripture. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to see how Paul highlights the importance of being in community and remaining connected together and then focusing on our future purpose. And the first theme that is so, so important that Paul teaches us is that we need to be about the we and not just the me. That it's all about community. You know, you can't really spell very many words with just one letter, right? And in fact, if you're playing Scrabble, you can't ever play a word that's only one letter. It always has to be multiple letters. And isn't it appropriate, though, when you think about it, that our all-time favorite pronoun as human beings is just one letter? I, right? We are wired up as sinful human beings to always focus on ourselves first. To put me before we. But we are so much more effective and we're so much more successful in every part of life. When we do life together with others. When we work well together with others. Yet as we look around at our culture and our society... I think we can see again and again that people are getting more and more isolated from each other. 
Now, of course, there have been incredible technological advances, and we've got all sorts of different social media, and people can be connected on their computers and on their phones. But that's no replacement for the need that we have for interaction in real life with others. God has wired us up to need relationships. And as we look around, we see today people are feeling lonelier and lonelier, maybe than any time in history. Social scientists have pointed out that that feeling of loneliness and isolation is at the heart of many of the problems that people are facing today. And it's such a problem that they've also pointed out that it increases your mortality rate by 26% when you experience deep loneliness. God has created us to be relational beings because God himself is relational. He models this for us in the Trinity. He is a perfect relationship. Now, some people I know like to say, well, yeah, of course I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be involved in a church. But when you think about it, it's like a goalie saying, you know, yeah, I'm an awesome goalie, but I don't need the rest of the hockey team, right? It doesn't work very well. We need others. Now, listen to what Paul says in verses 4 and 5 of Romans 12. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, if you can write in your Bible, I would circle the word we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The body of Christ, which is the gathered people of God, all of us here today, should function like the human body which means every single part is as important as the next. You might remember that Paul picks up on this theme in 1 Corinthians 12, where he says one part of the body can't get sick of another and just throw it out because every part of the body is equally important. All the parts should work together. It's like a fine-tuned machine. When one part suffers, then all parts should suffer together. And when one part rejoices, then every part should rejoice. And all together, we should look more and more like Jesus, who is the head of the body. He is in charge. He is the leader. And we are to follow him together. You know, that's the hope and the vision for our church. That a very diverse group of people, all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different stories, all sorts of different personalities and giftings and talents, that we would come together as the body of Christ to be a family on mission together, to go and share the love of Christ with a world who desperately needs it. Now, to accomplish this, I think there needs to be a shift that happens. And that shift is we need to go from being critics to being contributors. Now think about it. Almost every one of us is inherently wired up to be a critic. You know, we go to a movie, we go to a concert, we go to a restaurant, and what do we do? We become critics, right? 
eh, I kind of liked the first part of the movie, but it didn't end that well, and this actor wasn't all that they were cracked up to be. Or the meal was pretty good, but it wasn't warm enough, or it was too warm. You know, the music was good, but I got bored at the end. And so we have this kind of critical spirit, but we often bring it to church. I know I do. And you go sit through a service, and you kind of have a mental scorecard. You know, the music was really good today. Preaching was kind of a C minus. Some of you are thinking, well, that's kind of generous, but, you know, maybe give it a C minus. You know, I didn't really like the lights. The decorations weren't to my liking. And we end up being critics, and we're just filling out a scorecard. But we're called to be contributors, to come and be knit together, to be built up, to go and reach people for Christ. We are called to be one body, united in Jesus, focused on reaching others for him. And to be effective at this means we need to focus on we over me. Secondly, each person, every part of the body, is unique and valuable. Now in Scrabble, if you've played it before, you know you draw your letters out of a bag. And sometimes you get a combination of letters that can be really hard to make words with. Like there are times when you have almost all vowels, like three A's and two O's and two U's, and it's like what in the world am I going to do with this combination of letters? It can be really frustrating, and you only have a couple options. Like you can flip the board over and storm off, or you can get creative and think about what words might be possible. And most combination of letters, if you think hard enough, can make at least one short word. You might not have all the most desirable letters, but there's still a move that you can make. Now, sometimes in life, I think we can have a hard time accepting who God has created us to be. We have this tendency to compare ourselves to other people. You know, I wish I could be as good of a preacher as this person. I wish I could sing or play an instrument like people up here on stage. You know, I wish I was a better speaker, or I wish, wish I was a better teacher, or I best wish I was a better learner. And we have this tendency to always compare and contrast ourselves with other people. But listen to what Paul says in verses 6 to 8. He says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now stop there for a moment because it's such a key phrase. According to the grace that is given to each of us. You see what Paul is saying is regardless of what gifts and talents that God has given you, no matter how he's wired you up, it's a gift of grace. It's a gift of love. You're not a mistake. He's wired you up on purpose for a purpose. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul is reminding us to be thankful and to be glad that God has made us the way that he has. And to actually use our gifts 
instead of wasting time wishing we were somebody else. God has designed you and me for a specific role and a specific purpose. And the thing is, the tragedy is, when we don't fulfill our purpose, then something is not getting done in the kingdom. There is somebody or some people that are not being reached in the way that God intends. You know, if we were all the same, it would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? It would be kind of like trying to play Scrabble with all T's. It wouldn't work very well. And so our challenge is to embrace what God has given us. And remember, in Scrabble, to get the really big points, you need to use a combination of letters. And so when we come together in community, when we are connected together, it's then that we are able to make the greatest impact for the kingdom. Now, some of you might look at your tile or look at your life and say, but I've got a blank. But just remember in Scrabble, the blank tile can be anything. Just because you haven't discovered your gifts yet doesn't mean you don't have any. It doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. You just need to get out there, find ways to serve, talk to people and ask them what they see in you. Explore, test it out. If you haven't taken our Strengths Finder class and our Spiritual Gifts class, I can't encourage you enough to sign up this fall. It will bless you in incredible ways. Every one of us needs to be asking, how can I help build up the body of Christ with the gifts and talents that God has blessed me with? Third and finally, we have a common purpose. Our purpose ultimately is to reach other people with the good news of Jesus, to help them see that they too were created on purpose for a purpose, and that we are better together as we connect with God. You know, in Scrabble, the more letters mean more word possibilities. The more words that are on the board mean there are more places to play new words. For the body of Christ to stay dynamic and vital and impactful in this world, we need new parts to join in. Now, each of us can use the gifts that we've been given to invite new people to come and see. Now, you might say, well, that sounds incredibly scary. I wouldn't know what to say. You know, I'm a lifelong Lutheran. I don't ask anybody to come to worship with me. But what you need to do is to rely on God for strength and courage, to let him guide you and direct you. We can be inviters. We can share our faith through the power of the Spirit. Now, we are at our best, church, when we focus on community and connection and purpose. And that's only truly possible when we remain connected first to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to focus this week and beyond on investing and inviting. Who are you going to invest in building a relationship with? And then when the Spirit opens the door, who are you going to invite to come and see. Every one of us can invest 
and invites to help share the love of Christ in a world that desperately needs it. Now, before you say, I don't even know how to go about doing that, Paul spends the rest of Romans 12 giving us a picture of what it might look like to invest and invite in this world. It's really about putting love into action. Look at verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. Hate, (coughs) excuse me, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Such a great phrase. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Here's another great phrase. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Isn't that an incredible picture of what our world could be? Now, I love that last verse where Paul basically gives a bunch of caveats. He's like, as much as you can, as much as it depends on you, you can't control anybody else. I mean, other people have got their own stuff going on, but as much as you can control it, live at peace with everyone. I mean, you can't change other people's minds, you can't change their behavior. But as far as it depends on you, be a person of peace, be a person of grace, This is an amazing picture of what it should look like to be the family of God. Now, it can be so easy for us to get distracted, right? To go back to, well, what's in it for me? I want what I want. What about my preferences? What about my wants? Or it can be easy to get caught up with all sorts of stuff that Christians get sidetracked with. Little theological debates and disagreements that the rest of the world just shakes their head at. Or we can get caught up with trying to declare war on the culture or on non-Christians, and we just end up fighting and debating and condemning. And it's not at all attractive to people far from Christ. But Paul here is telling us clearly, our purpose and our mission is to put our love into action. It's up to us to show the world how God feels about it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son you know we should be known as the most loving the most peaceful even the most fearless people around especially with all the divisiveness and the turmoil that's surrounding us in our country and in our world i mean look at what paul would say he'd say be joyful in hope be patient in affliction Be faithful in prayer. 
live at harmony with one another. Not just people you agree with, not just people you like. Learn to see other people the way God sees them. Infinitely valuable and infinitely worthy. Even non-believers should look at us and say, you know, I don't necessarily believe what they do. But I certainly admire the way that they love others. Now, again, this is all impossible to do on our own. I mean, we could go home today and be like, all right, I'm going to try my hardest. And we're all going to fall short. So it really begins with just one word. In fact, it's not just a word, it's a name. Now, before you say, you know, I realize in Scrabble you can't play names, but there really is only one name that's worth all the points. It's one name that's above every other name. It's one name that's above any other word. And when you know him, then everything else fits together perfectly. And when you know him, then you realize how to live your life. And that name, of course, is Jesus. There's a story I heard about a man who went up to heaven. He was at the pearly gates and he met Peter. And as he was about to talk to Peter, he saw this sign that was kind of curious. And the little sign said, entry to heaven, 500 points. The man thought, well, that's interesting. So Peter said, well, why don't you give me your resume? So the man started to list off his spiritual resume. You know, I, I taught Sunday school for 40 years. I hardly ever missed a Sunday. I gave generously to others. I tried to help others anytime I could. And he, he made this list. And Peter's keeping this little tally and finally he said, all right, 37 points. And the man looked up again and he sees 500. And he looks at Peter and he says, but by the grace of God, how could anybody get in here? And Peter says, exactly. But by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, he's worth all 500 points. Come on in. Church, what I like to say is Jesus is life, the rest is details. He is the source of our hope and our confidence and our assurance. Jesus is the one that we want to make famous in this community and beyond. And so no matter what letter you are, no matter how you are wired up, we need you because we are better together. Let's work together as the body of Christ to share Christ's love with the world. And let's continue together to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus because that's what it's all about. Now, as I was studying this week and I was reflecting on these three important themes from Romans 12, I couldn't help but start to think how these three themes are really at the heart of the governance changes that our church council is recommending we make. Just think about it. Number one, it's about we and not me. The question we shouldn't be asking is, who's going to represent my wants and my preferences? Instead, the question we should be asking is, how can we represent Jesus most effectively in our world? Secondly, it's about using everybody's gifts and talents in the best way. Let's use our gifts to love and serve others, not just to spend hours in meetings. Let's go out 
and represent Jesus in all we do. And third, let's not ever forget our common purpose. The mission of Calvary is so important, it's so compelling to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That always needs to be our focus. And by updating and clarifying our governance structure, we will be so much better positioned to accomplish this mission. Church, I don't want you to ever forget that there are tens of thousands of people within just a few blocks of this church who do not have a saving relationship with Jesus. Their eternal destiny is in question. That should break our hearts. That should fuel us. That should keep us focused. Our world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Together, we can accomplish the mission that God has given us. Let's stay focused on what matters the most. So I encourage you, come back today for the Q&A after the 1030 service and come on July 31st so that we together can reach even more people with the saving message of the gospel. Amen.